20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Friday. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You guys know I do not fluff you ever, ever, ever. Go follow this man right now on Twitter at MikeWall68. He's the absolute best at breaking down Packer stuff. I'm so thankful to be joined once again every single week by Mike. Mike, how the heck are you doing? Doing pretty well. Excited for, uh, I think we got a game tonight, Chiefs-Broncos maybe? Yeah, and I just like I've never rooted against the Broncos before, and I'm loving it. So <laughs> just I'm just gonna enjoy rooting against the Broncos tonight, man. Can't tell they're you. a very they're a very good team to root have to root against right now. It's like a, it's like their mascot has a very punchable face or something. You know what I mean? It's just they're, they're that team this year. They have a very punchable face. Their mascot, and at times their coach and their quarterback as well. Well, that's I was yeah proxy for yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, I I can't get over the Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett comments prior to the season. Agreed. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I, yeah, I just don't get it. Like it, it just seems even, to go against all coaches. In, even in, so yeah, it was just like, it was such a classless is the, like the only words to use it. And even I've just, you know, you're thinking like, okay, I'm sitting there with my buddies. I'm smoking a cigar, having a scotch. Not that I do those things, at least one of them, but you know, you wouldn't even word it that way. You know, it's just, it, it would never come. It would just would never come out. So it just, it was, it was in a bizarre thing, bizarre position to put himself in. And now he looks so bad. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's always, I, you know, what's super interesting to me though about like the Sean Payton thing. I know, I know you don't want to digress into that, but oh, go for it. so in my time from playing versus going into the league and, and working with guys in the building. And then, you know, now obviously outside the building, the cultural change in how these uh, younger generation accept information, think about themselves, all of the Bill part, the Bill Parcells mentality, like the Mike McCarthy, the tough guy, it, it just doesn't play. No, it because it, it they just don't feel the same way that we were kind of built up on when I, at least when I was younger, and that that whole thing doesn't play. They have triggers and they have ways that they think about themselves very strongly, but you can't just go in there and, and just say, well, Parcells did it this way 30 years ago. I'm a Parcells disciple. And so therefore I can say whatever I want about whoever I want. It just doesn't work anymore. It's a very fine line because like we can see like a Dan Campbell is like uh more, I don't know how you would want to describe him as a coach, but there's like maybe a little bit more leaning that way, but like they back it up and they Dan also, absolutely, but here's the difference, Andy. Like I know Dan personally, yeah. Dan absolutely loves his players and it, and it comes out in everything he does. There's, there's no, and Dan, and Dan was a journeyman player. He's, he wasn't a star. So there's a, there's a very, very distinct difference, at least to me, a very obvious difference between, and I'm not saying one was better or worse. I'm just saying there's yep. a very distinct difference between like how Bill would treat his guys and then how Dan treats it's complete to me. It's completely different, but no. I, I, I get your point because he is, He's from the bar. You know, he was a bar sales guy in Dallas, at least. But no, it's it's very well said and very smart because, the, like I said, it, it does take a little. Like there is that fine line there, and I think that's the difference. Is you have to care about your guys, and they have to feel it, they have to see it, and they have to know. And that's a really really tough thing to do. And obviously, uh, not going great in Denver. It, it, it was interesting this past week because, from a Packers standpoint, 
the best thing is that the Jets lose as many games as possible right now. So they get the better draft pick, the second round pick from the Jets. But it was so hard to cheer for the you know Broncos to, to win in that game because of all the stuff that was said. And going back to Nathaniel Hackett, who was nothing but the consummate professional in Green Bay. The players loved him. Everyone spoke glowingly about him. It, yeah. So that was one that you were you know, maybe disappointed from a draft status standpoint, but so happy that Hackett got a little bit of uh, revenge on that one. But we digress. Let's let's talk about something way more fun. Packers Raiders uh, from Monday Night Football, which uh, was not fun and did not go according to plan. Let me just start by asking you, Mike, what were some of your big takeaways? I know you're big on some things only work on paper. This felt a lot of times that things like that only worked on paper in this game. What what was interesting is the so like the first series for both teams kind of told the story of how where they're at a little bit. The Raiders, although they didn't necessarily do a great job of finishing the drive they were trying to get out of their tendency zone like they have tells every team has tells and tendencies they're trying to get out of it they have the they rub they run dante on the uh davante on the bubble action yep they they go to their split flow look and they end up running a reversed i think two series in they um they make the adjustments in, in against the their split flow look we start running cross dogs. They make the adjustment and keep the tight end on the play side. Like they're just doing things that you go, okay. And that's the only way they were moving, getting yards. I mean, they had some coverage breakdowns as usual, but like that, I think that happens every game, but you're, but you see that they're, they're watching the tape going, okay, this is what we're putting on tape. Let's change things. You watch the Packers and it's like the first play kind of tells the story for, I mean, for me, for the whole game, you've got a motion by by Reed that just goes like past the quarterback. So there's no like jet sweep. There's no, he's not going fast. There's no nothing there. You've got the tight end on the left side, hipped off that he's definitely going to run split flow. Cause we haven't done anything but that. And you have the offensive linemen all showing that it's a directional run based on their stances. So like I can take a snapshot from any position on defense and go, I got a 99% chance of knowing what's going to be run right now. And there's yeah. nothing you're going to, and so, and they're already, and we know Raiders going to run soft zone. So it's just kind of like, yeah, what, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? What are we good at? We're still figuring it out. And just, just too many opportunities wasted, I think overall with, with the Packers. I think that's totally true. And, you know, I go back a couple of weeks ago, was it, I'm trying to remember, it was the, was it the Saints? Yeah. The Saints game where they came back and won in the fourth quarter mm. and they needed that two point conversion and you had Jaden Reed come in motion and the ball almost snapped and hit Jaden Reed on the motion. And Matt LaFleur after the game says, yeah, the timing was completely messed up on that and it was screwed up and Jordan had to make in, you know, um, you, you know, a play outside of the, the, the scheme of the play. And it's just like, those are the sort of things from like the motion timing and all those little things that just keep being off. And it just, it, I know they're young. I know they're inexperienced, but it just seems so weird that like, even the, the, the basic timing of a pre-snap motion isn't necessarily like a, a, you know, something that you can take for granted at this point. It all just feels a little bit disjointed and off. So there's, there's that part of it, which is absolutely valid. And I mean, how many we've seen Myers literally hit the motion guy in the leg. I mean, yeah, and yeah. it happens for other teams too. It just seems to happen in our opportune times with the Packers. But I think when you start watching, like, and unfortunately now we have the San Francisco 49ers. We have Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins. Like, we see 
when, when they talk with Sean McVay's offense, when you talk about we're fighting for every blade of grass, we're trying to stretch him horizontal so we can get vertical. You see that. You see the speed of the motion. You see you see the, 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 the play speed. And when you watch the Packers offense, and a lot of it's because they're running two tight end stuff and they're trying to get, you know, th- those guys aren't going to be as dynamic on the field after the snap, but they're also not going to be running the same kind of motions, you know, pre-snap. Right. Talking about uh, Tucker Craft and, and and obviously a Musgrave, but you watch just the speed of which we operate pre-snap, and you wonder because I think Matt Lafleur is really big on talking about how we're trying to give the illusion of complexity pre-snap so we can run really simple plays, right? Like I think that I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard that once or twice. Yep, and and. When you watch this, I don't know where you're threatening, I guess, is is just the easiest way to say it. I'm not really sure that all this is threatening anything, especially when you look at you know the first couple of series with the Raiders um, and games prior to, but this is the latest. So if you're not threatening with that and you're having a problem kind of with the execution of all that pre-snap stuff, and by the way, you don't really just do the basics very well anyways if you just put everybody in static and tell them to do their job. Like, you have to be... You have to go back and go, what are we good at exactly? What exactly are we trying to – 13 points is like – 13 points in National Football League against the Raiders' defense is laughable. I mean, there's no really no way they would put it, right? I mean, it, we're, nope. we're just – if we're calling a spade a spade, that's one of the worst defenses in the league. We scored 13 points. And and McDaniels tried to give them more opportunities at the end of the game by going for yeah. the field goal, missing the field goal. There was even more opportunities. <laughs> like They were like basically saying like, hey, take this. We're, we're willing to give it to you. And, and Green Bay just couldn't take it, which was even that much more frustrating – uh, and that's uh, maybe where the illusion of complexity, it feels like the only thing is that's complex about it is for a Green Bay's offense trying to run it at this point. Like you said, it doesn't seem too complex for the defense trying to figure out what Green Bay's actually trying to do. And I think the big, maybe most frustrating aspect of this game, you talked about it all last week. We talked about it. Everyone talked about it. And it's easier said than done. Totally understand it. But you had to control Max Crosby in some capacity. And it just didn't feel like they had a great plan for Max Crosby, not just in the passing game, but in the run game. I I tweeted you immediately as soon as I saw Tucker Craft come down the line and try to block him one-on-one because that was one that I'm like, all right, there's one that probably worked a lot better on the chalkboard than it did uh, in actual, um, you know, in the game. But it just didn't seem like they had a great plan for him, which is a little bit inexcusable, I I would say. So a lot... Listen, you have to install plays that you have in your play sh- on the play sheet. Like on the call sheet every week, there's going to be a certain amount of plays that are going to work. And a lot of that's going to be the split flow off the Packers because that's what they run. Um, the problem is, and, and we showed this on film at post, is you know the other team watches tape too. And we were just talking about the, you know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders go into that game and they line up in the exact same schematic formation with the tight end hipped off. They might be at 11, might be in 12, you know, whatever. Yep. And, but they're, they start running multiple plays to both sides of the ball off of that action. They run the play action. They run the, they run the reverse twice. We catch it on the second time. The first time they burn us pretty good, but it's all off the same look. So you can't necessarily just sit there and go, I know what's coming every time. Well, after the second, after the first series, really Max Crosby's going, I pretty much figure out what's going on. Your offensive linemen are looking in to where they're going to block. Like in other words, they're not looking at you and then going the other way. So like, there's all these tells that are available. The tight ends are leaning one side or the other because they know they're trying to, you know, cut off Max Crosby. Like there's so much going on that we don't really notice aside from just the obvious like, wow, he just blew up the play again, you know. And the other thing that the Raiders did, again, because it's on tape already what we're going to do. 
is they did a really good job of like forcing the tight ends to make plays. So if you're going to, Hey, it's, if you can't dance, don't come to the party. If you can't block, don't be in the box. And if we put you in there, if I'm the, if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm going to put you in bad situations. Like I'm going to slant Crosby across your face. I'm going to bring three week. I'm going to stunt into the run game and force and force your backside cut off to work. And if, because if you don't do it, then my guy's going to eat all day and we're going to start talking about him on the sidelines where everyone's going to get upset. And then he heats up and all of a sudden their team starts playing really well. You see this a lot when you, this is the find the fish thing, right? Like if, if you have a guy that can't do the job, well, I'm going to try to exploit that person as much as possible. And it just so happens that guy was playing against already what I think is the best player in defense right now in the league. Yeah, there was the play, too, where Green Bay think threw three people at him, two tight ends and a running back, and he makes the sack on the play. Uh, he's, he's an incredible football player. Um, and I know Green Bay ran a different, a lot of different things at him. It just mm-hmm. didn't seem much worked. And like you said, you even saw them maybe try a little bit of different tight ends in there because Musgrave, after I think getting chewed out in the first quarter, we saw a lot more Tucker Craft and Ben Sims. They tried some stuff. It just it didn't work. And again, Max Crosby, incredible freaking football player. He's going to eat more often than not. But he he wrecked that game for Green Bay's offense. Yeah, the thing is, you. So you install a play. Let's just call it, you know, if not, you run a 94 belly, right? It doesn't, what you call it, whatever you want. You're not, 94 open. You got the tight end on the left. You're running to the right. The tight end's got to cut off the guy. If you can't make that play, you have to ha- be able to tag that call with like the tackle blocks back, the tight end pulls around and helps the, helps the guard on the B gap or, pull, or pulls through to the, the linebacker. Like there's, there's options here. Like your only option is not just to try to cut this guy off with poor footwork. Like it, that's, there's other options on the table. You just have to be able to get to them. And I think somebody asked me this on Twitter and, you know, my response of like, why are we running these plays? And my response is, you know, a lot, not all the time, but a lot of times you're just, you insert, okay, we run 94 belly this week, guys, it's in, here's the, here's the defenses they run against. we got to be, Hey, you got to be careful about this guy. Okay. We got to have good footwork on the backside. Everybody got it. Okay, good. It's like, let's move on to the, let's move on to the passing game or whatever. And that I'm not saying it happens here, but I, I do, I know that yeah. that happens a lot. Yeah. And that makes, it looks very much like that at times. Like it's in the playbook, they're going to run it. And I, w- I was going to ask you about that as well, because have you picked up on anything as to why this offense gets going more in the third quarter? Is it, is it that they're making adjustments? Is it just happenstance? Because it does seem that they come out in the third quarter and find a little bit of rhythm, but it doesn't come until the second half, which is very, very frustrating. Some, some teams just play better, you know, after the break. Yeah. I, I, and I don't really know if there's a if there's a rhyme or reason. I mean, obviously, if you look at the beginning of this game, they're trying to establish the run. They're doing some things in the in the running game just to make sure that hey, we're going to get AJ Dillon to get you know ten yards on three carries every time and and play that out as long as it can. What happens, I think, and I we kind of saw this is it it turns into we're going to run this, and because we're we're going to run this, we're in this personnel, and that limits what we do in the passing game because I want to play with three wide. We only have two guys in. What does that look like when we run two-man routes? Are we just going deep? Or, you know, So a lot of stuff starts happening. Do we miss a couple of things, do, the breakdowns of protection, et cetera? So it, it feels like we're either going to take a shot or run the ball, right? And when you have that kind of mentality – and you don't have that middle game. You don't have the screen game. You don't have, you know, you don't have the the quick outlets. Like sometimes the five yard you know, checkdown is is the right play, as yeah. Aaron Rodgers showed us many times. And if you're not just going to take what the defense gives you from time to time, it's going to be tough to move the ball. I think sometimes with this quarterback, this play caller, this offense, you see it that in the second half they start going, all right, let's just take what they're giving us. Let's stop, let's stop messing around. 
Yeah, probably need to get to that a little bit sooner. And it makes it even harder when you're not running the football well and you're not hitting your deep shots. So uh, that is going to make it even more uh, complex in those situations. I'll be honest, Mike, I'm I'm struggling a little bit through five games to evaluate this defense completely. I think I've now somehow been labeled a, a Joe Barry defender just by pointing out that maybe it hasn't been quite as bad as I think some people have said. Now I'm well aware Bears offense, Raiders offense, Saints offense, especially Sands, Derek Carr in the second half. We're not playing the Eagles and the, the 49ers and the Dolphins here. Totally get it. I would say that, you know, you allow 20 points against the Bears in week one, which was really 14 until garbage time. Mm-hmm. You allow 10 points to the Saints, 17 if you include the punt return for a touchdown, but the defense isn't responsible for that. They allow 10 in that game. Mm-hmm. And then this game, you know, you allow 17, but three is directly in relation to the offense turning it over in plus territory. And the defense did a good job to limiting them to three on that play. I would argue that they allowed 14 in this game. We could argue maybe the missed field goal or the block field goal and things like that too, but they allow what I would say is 14 to me. And, and it, it's still, I, I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's playoff worthy or anything, but the defense to me is probably three and two at this point. Um, but at the same token, there's been some really weird mistakes throughout games. It's not consistent. You see some bad play and scheme on the field. I, I don't know. I, I, where are you at with this defense through five weeks? What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule and flexible to your individual needs. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pack a day. 
Hello friends, today we're brought to you by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using code PACKADAY for 20% off plus free shipping. I recently picked up Manscaped's new handyman and friends it is amazing. There are so many incredible aspects, but the fact that it has one guard that can trim to 20 different beard lengths is a game changer. Their skin safe technology is legit and getting through a full shave without any nicks and cuts gives me all the confidence in the world to go for that smooth, close shave. Oh, and you can use it for wet or dry use as well. So this amazing device does absolutely everything. Right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code packaday at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, who's... Like who's the guy? I don't know who the guy is, and I and Rashawn Gary is probably going to be the guy, but he's not in there enough to be the. You know, I just don't know. I love their defensive line, um, but I say like I say that because I really I like Preston Smith more than most people. I just love the way he plays football. Sure. Um, I think Rashawn Gary is like super talented. I like Kenny Clark. Um, I don't. I don't sit here and like, you know, Jalen Carter went in the draft. I see Jalen Carter and what he's doing. I see, you know, I see the, 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 the Davis kid, I, you know, the Georgia team for the Eagles. I see what they're doing. And I go, well, that's not quite what we're doing um, up front. I think, I think there's some mismanagement of personnel, quite frankly. Like, I don't know if Quay Walker's a three, four linebacker. Yeah. I think he's a four, three linebacker. I think he's like, I think he's like Derek Brooks is what I, is what I think he is. So I think he's put in a position and I love the way that they were firing the gap against the fullback. And I mean, you liked all that stuff, but you just go like, this isn't really, it doesn't really make sense as to like, based on the, the, the personnel, based on the, the, the deep, the base defense that they're running, you know, you look at this team really and the lions like that, they, they played one good offense. They got their backsides handed to them. I mean, that's, is what it is. Yep, but totally. for the rest of these teams, cause there's, there's, there's got to be, you know, 16 average teams or below average teams in the National Football League. It's just how the math works. They get beat on new looks. They get beat on adjustments. And they get beat on coverage issues from time to time. But they're not really just getting 
except for it gets the line, it gets a good offensive line. They're going to get yep. beat every time. But uh, for these other teams, they're not really just getting beat unless. Well, I mean, now I say that, Andy. I mean, the Falcons did run for 211 yards. Against I know, them. I know. It's, it's yeah, Bijan Robinson. But you know, you just you watch like this last game, you watch the Saints game, and you kind of go, okay, well, if, if the other team is missing their best running back, and you start uh, this and that, like they can, they do some stuff like this. This Raiders game, they're not getting torched. They got beat on some adjustments that the, the Raiders made from the, the previous game tape, and then from halftime, and the rest of the stuff. Like they're doing a pretty good job up front. They got pressure on the quarterback. They got some sacks. I mean, guys are coming out. Rudy Ford's making plays. Like, there's improvement from, like, there's improvement from the end of last year. But I think last year we thought they were going to be a top five defense. Rashawn Gary goes down, and they're not anymore. And we don't really remember that. We remember how bad they were at the end of the season. Yeah. And so you're kind of building off that a little bit. Yeah, and I think there's that, that's why there's so much nuance to it. And again, I think they play teams like Detroit, Miami, San Francisco. It, it, it's going to be ugly, I think, for, far more often than not. And I think you can get stuck in that mediocrity phase of like, all right, well, it's not bad enough to make any major changes, but it's not good enough where you're going to win enough either. So I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's been yeah. great by any means. It's just it's a it's a tough thing to figure out because the offense hasn't done them any favors, mm-hmm. even in that Falcons game. You know, that the offense goes, what, three and out, three and out, four and out to end the game. Yeah. And the, the defense is just gassed at that point. It's just it, 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 it's symptomatic of the overall team and not playing complimentary football. And it's a dog chasing its tail of like just everyone needs to play better, do their one eleventh on their side of the ball. And everyone's going to look better because of it. I just don't think if like we're pointing fingers at this point, I don't I don't know where I put the, the defense on the pecking order. Yeah, well, I'd see. I'd see you put the last finger you point is probably at the defense. You know, the only the only yeah. thing with the defense that does kind of it's a head scratcher, and I think that defensive coverage is probably the most difficult thing, uh, aside from offensive line coordination, to get together. Right, like I, like defensive line linebackers, you can kind of figure your stuff out. Coverage wise, you got to be on the same page. You really got to be uh, good communicators. You see a couple things just schematically, like. A lot of teams will trap from the opposite side. If you go like two by two, three by one, they'll trap from the opposite side. If they look like they're starting to cover four and they want to drop down, they'll rob from the other, like the weak side. We rob and chase like the crosser. They did against Devontae Adams this game. You're always chasing the crosser. You never quite get there. Like that, that stuff's weird. You run like two shell, you run like a cover two, and you got a a two man route. So you split the field. You got a, you got a hook curl guy in your safety or your linebacker, and they're not jumping the slant. And you're like, well, there's just things you're going, well, I don't understand why this is happening. Generally, you're doing a pretty good job with this other stuff. Like they cut down the, the – um, they tried to run a trick play. They tried to do a couple different things, and we shut down Devontae Adams for the most part. I mean, you do some things really well, but there are – and I think there are in all these games, but the, the, there's, the margin for error is just so small right now that yeah. I'm probably nitpicking. But you do see some of this stuff and kind of it's they are head scratchers. But that I think that is like almost the indicative of exactly what this is, where like you will see kind of every week something that the defense does really well, and you're like, there it is. Like just like that, there it is. And like the, the trick plays are such a phenomenal example of that. Of you can tell they're coached up and aware of what they're supposed to do in these situations. They jump the throwback to the quarterback. Razul is there. And actually, they had it covered pretty well overall on the flea flicker play. Like there's stuff like that that you're seeing. You're like, all right, like th- there's some attention to detail here. But then it'll be other like super simple stuff that you see. And you're just like, like all the stuff that you just pointed out. And it just, it, it, again, disjointed is the best word I can think of this week for this entire team where. Things just don't always make sense as to why it's happening the way that it is. The the one the one last thing I'd say is I don't know if everybody 
always notices. But when you play off cover, like we talk about, why, why are you playing off coverage all the time? You got all these good first. The other thing that off coverage really hurts you in is the run game. Yeah. You know, so the short pass screen game, which that hurt us. And then the run game, they're big. I mean, they broke off that big run on, on essentially just a kick play. And I think it was Jair was is, is sitting like 10 yards hipped off the tight end. It's like he never shows up until the last minute. It's it's just those the philosophy of what they're doing sometimes, and even like the philosophy, why are you standing on the, you know, it's it's first and goal on the nine, you're standing on the on the ends on the goal line waiting for the slant. Like there's just so many things bad that can happen when you give somebody nine yards of space in a 19 yard field that I those things I just like, I'm not in that room. I have no idea whether they're, wh- why they're doing it, what the thought process is, but I see those things and you see the really good defenses not having, it's not, that's not even a mistake, but not having to make that choice. You know, it's like, it's already baked in. We're not doing that. So. Yeah. A long way to go for the defense, the offense, everyone all involved. I, I, I can kind of uh, already see in my mind where you might go in a couple directions here, but green Bay is in their bye week and they don't have a game this week. They'll go to Denver in a couple weeks. What are some, uh, some what's some bi-week medicine that Green Bay needs to take over the next couple weeks? What are some things that you'd like to see changed, improved upon, whatever it may be during this time off where Green Bay is going to try to get right before they go to Denver? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> where so, to start? So co- the term cognitive dissonance is, is like this, it's this mental strain because your beliefs don't align with your actions. And so the first thing I would do is I would just get everybody in the room coaching. I'd get in the room and go, are you willing to change your behavior if I can demonstrate that your methods are, are not as effective as ones we could be using? Yeah. Because I see it, a, like I pointed out in our in the review show that Eldon Jenkins was doing this like, he was block. He was blocking somebody. He he did a good job being a bumper on a double team, and I showed it. I showed another a second one, and I realized like I'm showing something that all of them should be doing every play. Like this isn't an. This was not by any means an extraordinary play. This was a football play done the right way with technique. He had good footwork. He had good body position, so he won. You don't see that enough, or there's a lack of it enough. Where I pointed it out, going like, oh my god, look at this shiny new toy. And so my thing is like when you go into the bye week in a situation that you're in and you're underperforming at, the, at an individual level, it's leading to group underperformance. I think you have to take like a black box technique to this and maybe just maybe it's a Lions game, but you sit there and you forensically go through why you are not performing well individually. Look at Kenny Clark is not doing this well. Why his footwork? Why his body position? Why his left hand? Why are you not doing well? Let's. I'm just using him as an using him as an example. You know, if you go in and individually give these guys a plan to improve, you will see improvement. Like you have to give them you you know, identify the issue, find the root cause, and and provide some sort of corrective behavior or diagnosis. Help them improve on the individual level. You're going to see a lot more improvement from the group because what we we keep talking about like, oh, their scheme doesn't work. They're this, they're running the same scheme as half the other teams. They're just not running it as well, right? Yeah. And we could talk about the speed and this and that. And like, and there's some truth to that. But just basic blocking, tackling, shedding a block, you're just not doing your job as well as you could. And the only reason for that is it's being allowed. 
So we, I think that's the number one thing for me is like, let's go through this like one game, pick a game, go through it forensically and understand why guys aren't doing well and help them get better. Does feel like a, a back to basics, back to fundamentals, scale things down a little bit, start to excel at something, and then expand off of that. Um, oh, can I say one more thing about that in relation to? If you're going to play with, I like that we have two rookie tight ends, and I think they're going to be great players. I don't know who the I don't know who the tight end coach is. He might be the best coach in the world. I don't know, but I'm guess I'm shot in the dark here. I bet you he played quarterback. Cause I bet you he was like a, a senior offensive uh, assistant or whatever, you know, at some point. And I bet they're not running the individual periods with the, with the uh, offensive line. Okay. And they can't block. So if you want to teach those guys how to block, go put them in India with the offensive line, because whatever they're doing over here, I the, like they got spirit. They're trying, they just don't have very good technique. And I'm guessing if you want good technique in the run game in particular, the passing game, why don't you go ask the O-line coach? You probably pay him a million dollars to teach these guys. Like, go ahead and use them. Good resource. Uh, it is John Dunn. John I'm trying Dunn. to see what he uh, – yeah, Dunn was a walk-on at North Carolina from 2001 to 2003 playing quarterback and tight end before a neck injury uh, ended his career. And then he started coaching wide receivers and quarterbacks, it looked like, became an offensive coordinator, and now is uh, at the college level – and is now a tight ends coach. So did have some tight end experience, but yes, quarterback there. initially. And there it is. Nailed it. Nailed it, Mike Wall, per usual. All right, we're going to try to uh, sprinkle in some positivity, and then we'll we'll bring it back down right after. But we're five weeks in. You're going into the bye week. Mike, what's something that you've been encouraged by through five weeks so far? Maybe your toughest question today. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I think that just generally speaking, playing young players is a – is you know, short-term pain, long-term gain. So I, I think you can you can see the benefit of this down the road if they can bridge that gap between preparation and success. It's just kind of what we're talking about, right? But the fact that they're playing and they're getting this experience, like we're not gonna you're not gonna win the Super Bowl this year. So if you're just looking at it that way, and nobody wants to have a bad year, but you're getting these guys experience in, in in these in these critical situations that they can learn from. Now they just have to, you know, we have to make sure they're learning from it. You do see improvement from guys like Wyatt second year. Um, he's playing. He's playing good. He's playing phenomenally uh, improved from last season, and he's playing good football. He's not like a. He's not a. You know, offensive wrecking ball or something, but right. he's playing. He's playing at a high level, especially compared to last season. Um, Zach Tom has struggled the last two weeks. But I think you found your right tackle. He's played against two guys that are really, really good playing at high level. Um, we've talked about it on the show. Zach Tom has great feet and good hands. He has terrible footwork. He sets flat. So like last week, you saw him literally just running back and trying to get to a spot. And it's it's just simply because coaching. He hasn't been taught to line set the right way. So he he literally can't get to where he needs to go against a top-level guy. Yeah, but I do think you've found that right tackle. So I, I think you've got some guys that you see in their second year that are making progress. Um, listen, I think I think the most thing the thing I'm probably most encouraged about going to the bye week is that Aaron Jones is going to be back after the bye week. I mean, if we're being Seriously. honest. Like that's that's probably it. Yeah, that's very well said. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'll piggyback on it with my most disappointing aspect of it. 
we knew what this team signed up for going into this year with the young team, youngest team in football, some high highs, some low lows. You kind of knew what to expect and what you were going to get to some extent. I think what's frustrating and disappointing to me so far is that a lot of it seems to, to be trending in the backwards direction. You just talked about Zach Tom. And I think part of it's injury related. He had the injury uh, a couple of weeks ago and you haven't seen him quite the same the last two weeks, but you can argue he's taken a step back maybe in the last couple of weeks. Jordan Love, you can argue, is maybe not not progressed, but is kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, I, I, and I think you can kind of look at a lot of these players and maybe if there is even hasn't been regression mm-hmm. at, at, at best in a lot of situations, it's been status quo. And some of this injuries are related. Christian Watson, I don't think we've seen the Christian Watson from last season yet. I don't, and I, I think if you look at it, there's not anyone, I'm trying to think if I'm, I'm going to point this out without thinking of someone, but I don't think there's anyone so far that's caught my eye that I could be like, there's their next star at this position, or there's their next big time player at this position. Maybe Zach Tom is the answer at right tackle, but yeah. We haven't seen a ton of that yet. And there's still a lot of season left. It's still very early. Everything's been a little bit disjointed, but I've wanted to see a little bit more of like something with Luke Musgrave that you can latch onto a little bit more and be like, oh my goodness, look at that. He's not there yet, but look what he's going to become. Or with a uh, whoever, insert player X or Y there. I just, I, I wanted to see a little bit more of the the juiciness and the future potential and the growth, maybe sooner rather than later, even though I expected some of the hiccups along with it. So I'd say this about Zach Tom. Zach Tom played against Cam Jordan. He played pretty well. He did. Okay. Then he gets hurt. And everybody, like, watch the tape. He didn't play great against Aiden Hutchinson. He wasn't the problem either. Like, no, that, he a was, million percent. Yeah. Well said. This last, this last week, this Max Krabs is on a different level right now. And and it's like, you, you have to – it has to be contextual. If I'm playing against a crap player it, – it, I shouldn't say that. I know. If I'm playing against an NFL player who isn't isn't anywhere in the same zip code as Max Crosby, and I have a good game, and then Max Crosby beats me up a little bit, that doesn't mean I'm down, right? Agreed. Um, I use the I use the wrong example. Is no, that but I, I get I get your point, but and, and, but Christian Watson's another one. So you watch Christian Watson this last game, and I th- I did this like little John like little thing on my on the show because like we're not taking any shots, baby. You know what I mean? Like Christian Watson is literally running up. They have him on top of the numbers. Yeah. He's running up to the corner. The safety's at the 23. He's already at the 25. In other words, there's no help behind him. Yeah. And we're, the corner's running the route for him. So it's like, whose fault is that? It's not yeah. Christian Watson's fault. There's, there's 25 yards of freedom over here on the left, and I'm running across the field on the right with the safety's already coming down. The corner's running my route for me. So... I'm 100% with you. My thing would be the disappointing part is what we talked about from the first play. What are we trying to accomplish? Like from a from a scheme, from a personnel coaching standpoint, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? Give these guys something that they can hang their hat on. I don't know what that is. Um, I mean, I, I have my ideas, but it takes like a dedicated awareness of going, this is what we're going to be. It doesn't, if Aaron Jones isn't here, like this is what we're running. Sorry guys. You know, and we're going to, we'll, we'll live and die by the sword here, but I need to get like Christian. What we had Corey, remember Corey Bradford? Oh yeah. Very much. Okay. So. Corey Bradford. We were draft same class. I don't know if Corey knew how to run another route except for a go route. Nine, yeah. Okay. But we would put Corey in and like six, seven times a game, we were going to throw the ball deep because he was either going to get a catch an incompletion or, or a penalty, a yeah. right? And we'll just take it. 
And I, for whatever reason, and I'm not saying like, you know, this isn't the Penn State thing. You just throw it if he's not open, right? But if the situation calls for it and you have the ab- ability, I just don't know right now with the handcuffs that are on Jordan Love in this offense, does he even have the ability to say or the awareness or the wherewithal or the confidence or whatever that is to go, we're going yeah. right now. Like, yeah. let's, let's run it and see what happens. I just don't know. It feels like. I think I think we're kind of saying the same thing. It it feels like compared to some of these other you watch CJ Stroud, you watch some of these other, you know, you watch these young guys lighten it up and you go, it feels like they have more command of the offense. And I don't know if that is a Jordan Love thing or if that is a coach with the floor taking his offense back from Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah. I really don't have a clue. I don't either. That that, that autonomy question is going to be an interesting one moving forward. All right, before we get you out of here. Looking ahead, Green Bay has a bye this week. They go to Denver after that. Not a very good football team. We kind of discussed that at the onset. Then they have the Vikings without Justin Jefferson at home the week after that. Feels like those next two games, winnable games, are going to tell us a lot about this Green Bay team. What do you see from these next three weeks, including the bye week at Broncos and then home against the Vikings for the Packers? I think the Broncos game will be – I think both games are going to be really difficult. I think so, too. Yeah, I think the – you know, to me – I'm not, I am the farthest thing from a Russell Wilson fan, but he's not playing bad football right now. I mean, they're obviously not playing winning football, but I don't know if that's, you know, you watch their team. They just gave up 70 points. I mean, that's, that's like historically bad. So I think you're running into a team there that is going to lose tonight against the chiefs, probably pretty badly, even though it's a divisional opponent that usually play them pretty hard. I think there'll be a, it could be a bad loss. They're going to be one in five. Um, dysfunction all over the place. I think they're getting rid of another pass rusher. I think they're getting rid of Frank Clark. Yep. Uh, so there's, and Jerry, I think there's talks about Judy being gone. So there's all of that going on. No, I don't think anybody has any really, you know, warm feelings about their, their head coach and the relationship he has with the quarterback now. So you would think there's every reason to win that game for the green Bay Packers. Um, I just hope the green Bay Packers focus on themselves. The stuff we talked about during the bye week I think that takes care of a lot of that. And then that Vikings game, man, it's funny how what a difference a year makes. Um, Kirk Cousins is kind of getting called out for a lot of the stuff that I think guys who like are in the league have always talked about. It's like, yeah, he's good to pad his stats, but are, is he going to win a lot of games for it? Is he going to lead you to a championship? And you see guys there might be gone. Kirk might not even be there by the time we play him. I mean, the way the way awesome. that it's the stuff you're hearing. So defensively, you know, obviously, with with Z leaving last year, you know they they have they still have the uh, uh, the good pass rusher. I forgot his name Daniel now. Hunter. Daniel yeah. Hunter. Yeah, Daniel's still there. I screwed up his name last year and got a ton of crap, by the way. But uh, called him Daniel. But Daniel Hunter's still there. He's he's still a great player. But they're they're kind of you know Harrison Smith is still making a lot of plays in the backfield. You know, he likes to crowd the line. Um, but that's a team, again, you kind of know where their good players are going to be on defense. So you should be able to come up with a really good scheme to score some points against what I think is a very average, even subpar defense with a few really good players. I always love the uh, the, the name screw up smack talk. It's like there's 2,000 players in the league. We're, gonna, we're probably going to get one wrong from time to time. That always uh, humors me. I didn't but. know all the names of the players when I was playing. What do you think is going to happen now? <laughs> Exactly. 99, uh, 95. Amazing. I think the other thing too is what, what Packer fans are adjusting to a little bit is 
we would look at these games previously and like be like, oh, Broncos, Vikings, we're circling those on the schedule. Uh, every other fan base and team is now looking at Green Bay and circling on the schedule and being like, oh, that's a that's a get right game for us. So it, it, there's not going to be much that's easy going forward. It's funny that I think you said it so well last week. This is a get right game for both teams. And you just look at the rushing yards and it's like 110 to 96. Yeah. Neither guy, neither really got right. <laughs> yeah, and the averages are just terrible. You know, it's just, oh, good Lord. I, I really, I mean, if you would have told me so much about that game that, you know, they basically end up even in rushing yards, you hold Devontae to four catches, 40-some yards, you hold the Raiders to 17 points. Like, there's so many things that you could have told me. Now, the three Jordan Love interceptions, you could have told me that. I probably wouldn't have felt too great about things. Right. But overall, like, looking at, especially from a defensive side, I would have felt really good about Green Bay's chances and just wasn't to be. You know what's funny is uh one before we go is like Aaron Jones not playing is a big deal and you can see there's yards left on the table by by uh by AJ um he's just you know he's just totally locked in on hitting the A gap right now like the, you, you know what I mean like there's not a lot of balance there's not a lot of vision um he's putting his head down and running and sometimes it's very very justified and he does squeak out some like he turned one negative yard to run into like a four yard or he's got 700 pounds of you know, human on him. And you're just going, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. There are some things here he's missing, but what happens in these games? Well, it's interesting. One that, that, you know, the, the running back position is kind of being minimized. If you're just a runner and you don't do all the other, like the, all the Chris McCaffrey stuff, people don't value you and you just see how valuable good running backs are like right now. Um, and then like if Aaron Jones was in that game, Honestly, we probably win. And I mean, I think he makes that big of a difference because I, you know, I mean, just look at the only game we've actually had an offensive explosion. It, like it was all, it was his fingerprints all over it. Um, he's, he's definitely our best skill position player at this point. He has been for a number of years, um, you know, minus Aaron, obviously back in the day. Um, but it's the, it's the little, you know, a three yard gain turns into a 10 or turns into a 15. It's like the one or two plays that might be different that make you feel completely different about the game, whether it's how they feel and turning in the locker room, whether it's like you and I just, you know, or somebody who doesn't like to watch tape just looks at the stat sheet and goes, Oh, they had 150 yards. Great day. And you're like, well, they had 90 yards on one carry. Like, no, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it doesn't even matter, but like the, the atmosphere around everyone just gets better because that one dude is, is there or not there. There's, there's a real argument to be made that this team might be four and one if they have Aaron Jones through the entirety of this season so far, which yeah, is we're having a lot of different conversations. If that ends up being the case, uh, breaking news, when you have uh, really good players that aren't playing for you, it's going to hurt your overall team. And uh, that's been the case for green Bay in a lot of these games and specifically with Aaron Jones so far, Mike, I'm going to get you out of here. Where can we follow you on social, on YouTube, et cetera. Tell everyone where we can uh, find your great work. Yeah, MikeWall68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. The On My Block podcast is on the Believe Network. You can find it where you get podcasts. If you like to watch the video, we break down a lot of tape. You can find that on the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. Andy, thanks for having me as always. It's always a pleasure. Make sure to go check his stuff out. It's absolutely amazing. You can follow the podcast here at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. That does it for Mike and I. Until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. <laughs>